Hey, this is WIUXLP, and you're listening to American Student Radio. I'm Mackenzie Delaney. And I'm Mackie Schroeder. Hey, Mackie, will you sing the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood theme song? No. Why would I do that? Just do it. Nobody wants to hear me sing. Come on, just do it for me once. <sighs> okay. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for... Ha, gotcha. What? It's not, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. You are 100% incorrect on that one. No, I promise. It's this, not the. Ridiculous. There is no way that that... Cue the music. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you See? be mine? No way. I've been living a lie? This is a prime example of the Mandela effect. The what? The Mandela effect. It's a theory that states that mass amounts of people have the same false memory of past events that never actually occurred. These memories are said to be caused by a parallel universe pouring into our own. I don't know about that, but I think it's definitely just one of those things that is unexplained. It's funny that you say that, Mackie, because in the next hour we will hear stories of an arcade game used for CIA mind control, odd conspiracy theories, the mysterious history of a meme, and so much more in this week's show, Unexplained. Wow. Buckle up. Hey, no need for the sarcasm. I'm actually quite intrigued. Well, good. You should be. I hope that everyone sticks around to enjoy the show. From blue, mm, from uh, again live, live. What is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is. This is. This is American Student Radio. Real chill, real chill. Aliens, conspiracy, journalism, and lesbians. I'm sure you've heard some interesting conspiracy theories. I don't actually have a very extensive knowledge of conspiracy theories beyond the whole Paul is dead fiasco in the 1960s. Well, it's time for you to learn a little bit more about conspiracy theories from IU students. And let me assure you, they do not disappoint. You will now hear from our producers, Jacob DeCastro and Emily Miles, who took to the streets of campus to ask students what they could tell them about the odd theories that they have heard. My my favorite conspiracy theory of all time, it's already been disproven, but it's my favorite, is that Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. Why do people believe things they know aren't true? Or are they true? What are people's favorite conspiracy theories? At ASR, we wanted to find out. Fellow producer Emily Miles and I talked to IU students about their views and thoughts on conspiracy theories. So, what is the wildest conspiracy theory that you've heard of? Yeah, so um, I'm sure everyone remembers, like, the Berenstain Bears children's books. Um, but, like, everyone remembers that it was spelled, like, Berenstain with an E, and apparently it's Berenstain. And so there are people that are that think that there's, like, multiple different 
um, like versions of reality happening at one time because people like almost swear that they remember it being spelled with an E as opposed to an, an A, which it actually is and apparently has always been. So I love the conspiracy theory about lizard people because I'm a huge conspiracy theory fan, but I this one is just something I can't comprehend. Basically, the theory is that many of our world leaders and famous people are actually lizard people. I don't know, probably the weirdest one I've heard is that people think Avril Lavigne died and is replaced by a duplicate or like a lookalike. Um, one of the strangest conspiracy theories I've heard of is that uh, Barack Obama can control the weather. There are multiple reports that he predicted the exact weather while he was in, uh, in office, so that's pretty wild. Do you believe this? Absolutely, 100%. Barack Obama can control the weather because I think Barack Obama is a superhero. So what's the strangest conspiracy theory that you've heard of? I think the strangest uh, is like the multiple, what is it, like five or like maybe like three people responsible for killing JFK. I was like, there's a dude in like the grassy knoll and then there's a dude behind the wall and then there's uh, the killer in the library or book depository, I think is what it was. Do you believe this? No. Um... I'm not sure why people believe it. I think it's because, like he said before, is like people really enjoy those types of stories or they don't want to believe that the government is telling the whole truth. What do you think the appeal of those conspiracy theories is to people? Um, I think with political ones specifically, like it's to get people to fight. Like it's to get people to be like, okay, like let's just argue even more than we already do about politics. What is the wildest conspiracy theory that you've heard of? I think probably the moon landing. Probably like that. That wasn't real. And I don't know where I stand on that. (laughs) It like makes me uncomfortable to think about. Why does it make you uncomfortable? Because I feel like the technology is wasn't wasn't advanced enough to, you know, make it fake, but then like there's almost proof to say that it it was true. What is the strangest conspiracy theory that you've heard of? Probably that Katy Perry is John Bonet Ramsey. It like honestly makes no sense. Like they didn't even die, or like she didn't die around the same time. I don't even know, but I guess they look similar enough. So this Avril Lavigne conspiracy was a popular one. Here's another IU student. Um, in terms of a more like traditional conspiracy theory, uh, there's one that uh, Avril Lavigne is dead. I've heard that one before, and that one that one I can buy actually. I, I, I'm going to get behind that one, too. So, like, why do you believe? I loved Skater Boy as much as the next person. And then I've seen some of the music she's been putting out recently, and I just, I, I hope in my heart that there's no way it can be the same person that gave me Skater Boy. From the JFK assassination to who Katy Perry is, from the moon landing to if Avril Lavigne is even alive still, there's definitely no shortage of conspiracy theories out there today. The music for this piece is by Broke for Free under an attribution license. For American Student Radio, this was Jacob DeCastro with Emily Miles. Have you heard of any of these conspiracy theories, Mackie? Yeah, the one about Ted Cruz, the Zodiac Killer, is my favorite. I've definitely heard the ones about lizard people and Avril Lavigne being dead, but I've never heard the one about Obama controlling the weather. I'm a believer. The sarcasm is real with you today. They made an interesting point, though, about how people create conspiracy theories for political reasons. I don't completely trust the government either. I guess there are a lot of things we don't know. I mean, for all we know, there could be a secret facility here in Indiana somewhere where they hide an entrance to another dimension. 
You've been watching Stranger Things, haven't you? Maybe. But I'm only on the fourth episode, so you better not spoil anything. I won't. I promise. Okay. Maybe those writers were on to something. Maybe the CIA is secretly up to something sketchy. That's actually what we're going to hear about next. Here's Carter Barrett with her story on CIA mind control in video games from the 1980s. Okay, so imagine this. It's 1981 in a suburb of Portland, Oregon. But more specifically, at an arcade. You know, like in Stranger Things? Kind of like that. This is before you could play Mortal Kombat or Call of Duty from the comfort of your sofa. Instead, preteens crowded around giant, heavy arcade blocks. They spent hours feeding quarters into machines, playing Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. But one day, in this suburban arcade, a new game appeared. Polybius. Instantly, this game was a hit. In fact, it was the most popular game in the arcade. Kids would line up for their turn, immersed in the game's fast-moving colors and shapes. But something wasn't quite right. This game wasn't just addictive in the way normal video games could be. You know, you start playing a game on your iPhone and suddenly it's two hours later. This was way worse. People started experiencing weird side effects, nausea, seizures, and one teenager attempted suicide. And as if this wasn't strange enough, there were also the men in black. Two men in black suits installed Polybius at the arcade. They returned to service the game every few weeks, much more frequently than any of the other machines. And they never took any of the coins, just the data. Word of Polybius's strange effects started to spread around town. Kids acting like zombies, playing the game obsessively and acting strange. Then one day, not long after it was installed, the two men in black returned, packed away the machine, and left. To this day, the original arcade game has never been recovered. We're not even sure what the game would have looked like. So, what's the deal? A crazy arcade game, kids acting like zombies, and two men in black suits? Okay, try to stay with me now. The theory goes, Polybius was part of a CIA program. It was filled with subliminal messaging as part of a mind control experiment. Yeah, I know. That's why I said stay with me. That's why the two men in black arrived to service the game so often. They were CIA agents, conducting experiments on unwitting suburban children to practice the techniques they would use against the Soviets. But is all of this urban legend? Probably so. The first mention of the Polybius legend wasn't even in the 80s. It was in the 90s on the internet. But it quickly took off into video game nerd lore. And it sounds crazy, but what if it's not as out there as we think? Exploring legend without context is pointless. So what was going on in the 80s and 90s that made people believe a story about video game mind control? Well, there are a couple of things. Remember, we're in a post-Watergate world. People no longer trust the government. Parents were concerned their kids were spending too much time on video games. New technology usually brings anxieties. But most importantly, there was Project MK Ultra. 
In the late 70s, thousands of declassified CIA documents detailed drugging unconsenting people with LSD. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. This actually happened. The victims stretched from CIA agents to prostitutes, drug addicts, and the mentally ill. And Polybius, it's probably an urban legend. MKUltra is real. The CIA was trying to develop a sort of truth serum, or interrogation techniques, to use against the enemies of the state. So to think that the CIA was trying to secretly mind-control children wasn't so out of the realm of imagination. Another explanation for the two men in black were arcades were commonly used as fronts for illegal gambling rings, which could explain why federal agents were spending so much time in a place typically meant for teenagers. So this story is weird, right? In the way that most urban legends are, it's vague enough to possibly be true, but it's not very specific and really can't be fact-checked. Most sources say the game probably never existed. But honestly, it's not important if Polybius is real or not. What's more important is seeing what people are willing to believe, why they're willing to believe it, and how does it change the way we behave. For American Student Radio, I'm Carter Barrett. You know, we've talked a lot about fear of the unknown, but there are a lot of lighter stories about unexplained things. For example, Shia LaBeouf. Why is he so weird? I have no clue. Okay, I have one. Have you ever wondered if Bloomington's squirrel population is secretly controlling the entire campus? I think I saw one following me the other day on my way to class. I know. These squirrels here are crazy. My point is, is that there are a lot of unexplained phenomena that don't revolve around mistrust in the government or evil monsters living among us in society. Next up is Sarah Panfill, shedding light upon a topic that was previously a mystery in Bloomington. In August of 2016, an Instagram meme account called Bloomington.af, as in Bloomington as started. memes are a relatively new media form. We know them as the text, images, and video that circulate and evolve online. Now the page has more than 4,500 followers. Comments on the memes say things like, post more, and most accurate Bloomington meme yet. As a resident of Bloomington myself, I wanted to see who was behind Bloomington.af. Which brings us to the man behind the meme. Uh, my name is Miles Grimmer. I live in Bloomington and I make memes for Instagram in my spare time and also sometimes in the bathroom at work. I mean, like, since I was like a kid, I would like come home from school, use the computer, go to like one of those like early mid 2000s internet websites. And I've just like been online for a long time. I've always like liked posting on the internet and trying to like make my friends laugh. Like it's just like an easy immediate way to express yourself. And that very first meme that you created, like do you re- do you remember why it was that meme that you chose? No. But I could look and Let's, see if yeah. I remember. Here, I mean I have my computer actually and okay. I was going to say we could It was sort of a poem. The text reads, "Roses are red." 
Sugar makes me queasy. Calkin 9, it's just that easy. I always thought that was really funny, so I just... You have that down, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm obsessed with television lawyers, so that's why I wanted to make that. And it's just funny to, that he's like a guy around town who like uh, people see, you know, he drives a car and he's like a kind of local figure. I really like the concept of like things that are special to a local area or a region. And I think that so many memes speak to like a more generalized experience that like I wanted to chase something that like people who live in Bloomington can get. Many of the memes are jokes or cute puns. But in some memes, Miles criticizes Bloomington as much or more than he celebrates it. So this is a meme that says Bloomington has such a quirky, unique, historic downtown and hard eyes emoji as the caption. And then the pictures are recently developed, uh, the nice apartment complexes. And yeah, so I think Bloomington has seen a lot of growth in the past couple of years. And I think there's just a lot of construction of like these fancy apartments that really only students whose parents pay for them can afford, as far as my perception anyway. I guess that's what I was getting with the caption, is that people want Bloomington to be this special, quirky kind of place, but then, like, as it caters more and more to, like, an insurgent student population, it's kind of losing character. And I think, like, it pushes people out who can't afford to live in places. Like, like downtown is becoming less and less affordable. When another person looks at a meme, Mm -hmm. um, do you think that they'll get how much thought you put into it uh i think sometimes i think there's been a couple times where like uh, something i make that i'm approaching from like a critical or ironic angle is taken at face value like this early one it's like pictures of the different krogers in bloomington famously they're the two most popular ones are nicknamed krogucci and krogetto by locals and so i said krogucci and then krogetto and then i tagged one with Croke institutional racism and I tagged one with Croke structural class inequality. So I was trying to say that like the nickname Croke ghetto is kind of tasteless but then I think a couple of the comments were like I or just kind of like being like oh yeah I know exactly which Kroger he's ta- or they're talking about. So like I think people just kind of didn't get the joke and maybe in a way I was like reinforcing I was re- maybe by doing that, I was reinforcing something that I was trying to criticize. Are you somehow, are you sort of like working out how you feel about Bloomington through these memes? Yes, that's a great way to say it. Like, I think like the way I like create, I have ideas and then like, I, d- I can't really articulate them int- until I put them together. So I, I think I am working it out as I go how I feel about this town. So this is for, like, a podcast? like. Yeah, it is. It's for um, American Student Radio. Yeah. For a student podcast. I'm a student for American student, student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sarah Panfill. Personally, my favorite meme is Dat Boy. You know, the frog on a unicycle? I forgot about that one. I love the white man blinking meme. I feel like you give me that signature white man slow blink every time I bring out my sick dance moves. Well, your dance moves are very dad-like. 
Fair enough. I just don't want you to die while doing your horrible dance moves. I'm only looking out for you. How could my dance moves kill me? Have you ever heard of the dancing plague of 1518? The what? Let's find out. Twist and turn and Hey, Eli. Uh, what's with the dancing? Oh, I'm just uh, trying to tap into the spirit of Frau Trophia. Who's Frau Trophia? Oh, uh, Frau Trophia, the first victim of the dancing plague of 1518. A dancing plague? Uh, here, how about this? Close your eyes. Okay. Are they closed? Yep. Okay, picture this. The year is 1518. You're in the city of Strasbourg in northern France, and it's in the middle of July. Ooh, hot! You're walking down through the town center, and you notice a woman dancing the night away. Okay, I'm liking this picture so far. Each day you pass by, more and more dancers have joined her, and by the end of the week, more than 400 people are dancing in the streets of Strasbourg. Wait, 400 people in the streets of Strasbourg? Well, there had to have been something going on, a festival or something. Well, that's the thing. According to the historical records at the time, these people didn't want to dance. They somehow felt compelled to dance. They danced nonstop for days on end, and dozens of them ended up dying from heart attacks and exhaustion. One account says that during one period, this so-called plague killed 15 people per day. 15 people per day just from dancing. And rather interestingly, this event was not isolated just in Strasbourg. In the next couple of centuries after this, there were several more accounts of dancing mania throughout Europe. Well, hang on now. Now, people don't just start randomly dancing. There had to be some sort of cause to this. Um, The physicians at the time thought it was caused by some sort of blood disease, and their prescription for a cure was to dance it out. They built stages and hired musicians to encourage more of these dancers. Wait, wait, wait. So let me, let me get this straight. So dozens of people are dying from this dancing plague and their solution was to encourage more dancing. Yeah, I know. It doesn't really make that much sense. Uh, Eventually, modern researchers theorized that this could have been caused by um, this hallucinogenic fungus called ergot that infected the food supply. You know, it's it's interesting that you mention ergot because that's the same fungus that many modern historians have associated with causing the great fear. It was the beginning of the French Revolution, and there were a lot of food shortages, and the tensions between the the monarchy and the royalty and the peasants was was starting to heighten. And many of the peasants became sort of delirious, and to the point of actually believing that the nobles were purposely trying to starve them. And it's interesting that you mention that because this is an example of what you might call mass hysteria. So, how does mass hysteria tie into fear? So there's this proposed theory uh, for what causes mass hysteria, like the dancing plague or the great fear, uh, and it's called psychogenic illness. Psychogenic illness. So basically, psychogenic illness is this rapid spread of symptoms amongst a cohesive group of people, often caused by extreme excitement or extreme stress, and it has no real organic cause. 
So it's possible that the people of Strasbourg were so stressed or excited that they developed these delusions of a dancing plague. Right. And that's the exact theory presented by historian John Waller, who uh, is sort of an expert on this dancing plague. So you have to think about it in this historical context. In 1518, the bubonic plague was still affecting some areas of Europe. The people of France were suffering from famines caused by harsh winters and dry summers. These people had plenty to be stressed about. So it's not impossible to imagine that a few of them were just pushed over the edge. Well, that's certainly reasonable. But why dancing? I mean, I feel like most examples of mass psychogenic illness just involve convulsions, stomach aches, headaches, stuff like that. And that's a good question. So Strasbourg, France was part of the Holy Roman Empire at the time. And in that particular region of the Holy Roman Empire, it was common to celebrate a saint named Saint Vitus by dancing. And Saint Vitus, rather appropriately, is the patron saint of dancing. People who fell victim to random convulsions or dancing mania, as they called it, uh, were often said to be afflicted with so-called Saint Vitus's dance, a curse placed by Saint Vitus himself. Okay, so it's easy to see how the people of Strasbourg would have known about Saint Vitus, would have thought that they were being cursed after years of plague and famine, and it would just take one little seed in this case, in the mind of Frau Trophia, to convince you that you have this dancing plague. Then fear takes over, and before you know it, the whole town is convinced they're afflicted. That's right, and that's really the danger of mass hysteria. It's difficult to pinpoint the cause, and once it takes hold, it spreads like wildfire. The music from this segment is provided by Kevin McLeod. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Eli Cantrell. And I'm Hayden Sims. That was produced by Eli Cantrell and Hayden Sims from the ASR Archives. Thanks for listening. This has been American Student Radio. I'm Mackie. And I'm Mackenzie. Make sure to tune in next week for our Expectations versus Reality show, hosted by Jenna Jankowski. Thank you for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students at Indiana University Bloomington. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Student Radio and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at ASR Voice. We broadcast new episodes every Sunday at noon on WIOX and stream on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash American student radio. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.